Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy, this is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well. And how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA, and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Hypothalamic Amenary podcast. I'm pumped today because we have a special guest. Her name is Anina and we're friends in real life, but we did meet through HA. We did meet. She was a um, member of the society. She just happened to live in Austin. And when that happens, I'm like, let's be best friends. So, <laughs> you know, I met her when she had HA going through her journey and she's now heavily pregnant. She could even go into labor on this call 
which is exciting. So we obviously have a full story to share with you. So I'm very excited to introduce Anina to the podcast. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. It feels very surreal, but I'm glad I'm here. Um, I'm I'm 39 weeks pregnant right now. So I'm in that like portal in the veil area. So my mind is like in one world and in another at the same time. So hopefully I can be uh, cognizant enough to, to, to pronounce words. Yeah. You know, what's so crazy is like when I was 39 weeks, I was like, I'm due, right? Like it's going to happen any minute now. And then 42 weeks and like yeah. six days later, I'm like, what is going on? It's been a whole month that I've been ready to pop. <laughs> yeah. I've been feeling contractions on and off for like the past two weeks. Oh, my mom okay. is convinced it's any day. And I'm like, nope. I would say two more weeks just to be safe, but yeah, that happened yeah. to me too. All of the Braxton Hicks and you're just like, yes. I know it, it, like, it your is, stomach it, gets rock solid. Yes, exactly. And it's wild. So yeah, but I know that's not, it's, it's, it's my body's preparing itself, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Okay. 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 Well, Anina, you do have a long story. Yes. We're going to do our absolute best to represent that story and all of the amazing ones along the way. But will you share a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and sort of how all of this situation happened and what it looked like for you? Yeah. So my story is at this point, a 31, no, I'm, th- I'm 32 years old now. I developed HA when I was 21 and I got my period back in 2021. So about a year ago, actually, I celebrated my, actually, it's so surreal too, because I got my period back September, 2021. And got pregnant in January 2022. So literally four months after I period back, after not having it for 10 years. So that's wild to me because I definitely thought it was going to be a longer journey. But at the same time, my HA recovery journey took about two years. Um, Yeah, my story is um, one of having an eating disorder and then having no period even after I recovered my eating disorder from from my eating disorder and then getting my period. yeah, I mean, I did have it for 10 years, essentially. So yeah, uh, about me, I live, so I'm an acupuncturist. I live in Austin. Um, I'm, I've lived in many places in my life, but I've been here now for seven years. And my period journey is, in a way, or my menstrual history, I guess, I relate it a lot to my, my mom, because my mom also didn't get her period until after she was 17, and I didn't get my period until I was 17. So that was always like in my mind, like my body just doesn't work properly. It always felt like it was already broken. But then my mom reassured me at 17, getting my period. Oh no, that's totally normal. That's how it works in our family. I'm genetically half Finnish. She, my mom's Finnish. So she's like, Finnish women just don't get their periods until later in life. And I have no idea if that's true or not. I haven't been able to, you know, do a statistical comparison or anything of that. But that was my story. And I always really, really wanted to get my period. It was a big thing when I finally got it because my all my friends were getting it like 12 13 14 and I'm 17 years old so that was already like a weird start to my menstrual journey I guess um my periods were never that regular either I always kind of had I mean I wasn't tracking it but looking back I can I think it was probably like every 40 days I would say I wasn't ever that aware of having like bad periods or anything they were not that long they're very light um and light anyway I also became a vegan when I was 16 not sure if that delayed my period or not, but I had already like been dabbling with what I would say like diet type things for a very young age, although I didn't actually develop an eating disorder until I was 21. And I did become vegan, not for any kind of body composition reason, mostly for like the animals and for my health, I thought at the time. 
But yeah, when I developed um, an eating disorder, I, I developed anorexia when I was 21 in my junior year of college after a very, very stressful six month period. I had been on birth control at that point for about eight months. Um, I had met Alex, who's my husband now, um, in 2019, got on birth control in 2010. And then I lost my period summer of 2011. So I had been on birth control for eight months. And actually when I first got an eating disorder, I, I, took, I came off the birth control at the same time, coincidentally. And I thought for a long time, the birth control had taken away my period, not my eating disorder. I did lose about 30 pounds in the span of two months. So that was like very drastic at the time, but I didn't connect the two. <laughs> so I didn't actually know I had HA for eight years. Yeah, that's like, the crazy thing is how kind of common that is. I feel the same way. I feel like it was some like eight years or something before I even took it's my head out of the, peeked my head out of the sand. <laughs> it's totally crazy. Like you would have thought someone would have brought that up to me. My mom had also not had her period for a few years when she was about that age. She was like, and she always said to me, you'll get your period back when you're happy. And I was like, what the heck does that mean? Because she said, oh, I got my period back when I got happy. And I was like, all right, that's very vague. I have no idea how to implement this program you have. So right. I was kind of living my life for a long time, continuing to, I mean, when I got my eating disorder, I did recover from it. I mean, it never got to the point where it was like, I was going to, to die when I was younger anyway. I did relapse when I was 27 and that was really bad. But, you know, for 20, from when I, when I lost my period in 2011, when I was 21, I lost a lot of weight, recovered, I thought, from my eating disorder because I was not no longer like, um, using the, 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 using the kind of like traditional, um, you know, eating, what do they call it? Eating, eating disorder habits. I wasn't implementing them as much anymore. So I thought I was recovered, but I never actually gained the weight back. I always stayed at the thin weight I had been since losing the weight. I was never overweight, I would say, but I did get to, for my height, like about a 18 BMI and my normal is like 22. So it was for me pretty drastic. But I was always just convinced, oh, I can just live in this thin body. And so I was living in a thin body for many years, thinking it was fine. And I saw many doctors, at, I saw many doctors at that, uh, around, you know, throughout the years. And they all had the solution of go on birth control, go on birth control, kickstart your period. And I was just not buying that for one thing. And uh, like I said in the beginning, I'm an acupuncturist now. And one of the things that actually really did propel me into natural health an alternative health was my period. I was determined to figure out what was going on with my body and why it was not working. I was just not, I was not, I was not going to just go on birth control and, you know, do whatever IVF when I wanted to, like a lot of the doctors were telling me, oh, you're fine. Like you're not super underweight. There's no reason you shouldn't have a period. Um, and all my, you know, my hormones were always like, you're in your follicular phase. And I was like, okay, well, not so much because I don't. Have I mean, I mean, like the yeah. I mean, we're all I mean, just in a very long, not moving, dormant stage phase. Yeah, yeah. I was in hibernation, and it's so frustrating to me too because I've heard so many women who, um, I mean, it's, it's everyone's body is so unique, but like my body didn't ever show any of the shines of malnutrition. My hair didn't fall out. I wasn't losing my teeth. It's, you know, things like Same. that. I never got. Same. I never had like issues with my bones, but it was like my period is just like not there. So it was so hard for me to, just, you know, understand that because there's women who are even thinner than I was. I had friends getting pregnant who were thinner than I was, and they were, you know, they had their periods. So it's so strange to me, but I guess that's the way my body works. 
Um, yeah. So yeah. I, uh huh. I mean, there's so many like, yeah, there's so many random rabbit holes here, but let yeah, yeah. let's just keep trucking. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll kind of skip the part where I relapse with my eating disorder because that's not that that's not that relevant. But I can say I definitely got worse before I got better. I had hit rock bottom before I really turned changed my. I had like a spiritual like awakening. It seemed like because of that experience. But anyway, um, so in 2019, I found out I had HA because I was never one of those people who was on social media. I never had Instagram, never did Facebook, any of that stuff. So I was never, and I honestly kind of look back and I thought that was a good thing at the time, but I, I wish I had been more um, open to receiving other stories because I got on social media in 2019 because my, uh, my, my stepmom had gotten pregnant and there's a baby. And I just really was decided I need a baby. Like I need, I, I got that baby fever. I was 29. I was starting to feel like I was wasting my life with no period and in love with somebody that I want to have children with. So it was a huge motivator with kids, children for me. So I remember looking up on YouTube, like how I got my period back and the video came up and she talked about how she got her period back. And it was talking about no period. Now what? And I was like, Oh my God, this is it. So <laughs> this is 2019. And I'm like, so this, I'm still very orthorexic. So I had been like for years over exercising, under eating, doing a kind of low carb, high protein, high fat diet, but, um, and also intermittent fasting for years, for those two years, especially from like 2018 to 2019, I was like not eating dinner or over-exercising, like had a major movement compulsion issue, but into my, in my mind, I had, I was doing better quote unquote, because it wasn't as bad as I was. So it's kind of like, you go through these phases of like, I'm better than I was. So I'm good. But like, no, it was not good. Um, so I read the book in that, that year, 2019. And I overnight was like convinced I had to just eat tons of cupcakes and pound the peanut butter and I'll get my, my period back. And I was that whole summer of 2019 actually was like a really big deal for me in my life because it was the time I actually introduced all my fear foods. I like wrote a list of like all my fear foods. And at that time I was like pretty much eating like a paleo diet. Like, no, I was not eating like I was not eating any processed food. I hadn't been eating any processed food for years, like six years, literally, like not a single grain of gluten had passed my lips, like nothing processed at all. So that summer was like, because of that book, it really propelled me into this like desire to overcome my neuroses around what I thought was what my body could handle. Because a lot of it was like, my body's weak. I can't digest this because I would have a little bit of like, sugar or anything and I would just be sure I was having to kind of flare up looking back it was probably just a stress response because I was so stressed out when I was eating these foods that like and for days after I'd be like detoxing from them by like starving myself so like that was not a solution in any way but yeah so 2019 was a big deal because of this um but I gained a lot of weight a lot of unhealthy weight really fast within three months I gained like I don't know 10 15 pounds of like pure fluff it was very very triggering because I was very very thin at the time and I had no muscle pretty much I was like skin and bone so to like to start pounding cupcakes was like an ice cream and stuff like was really not what my body needed I didn't realize that at the time it's kind of a phase I had to go through I guess but I majorly backtracked after those three months in the summer of eating like that I couldn't handle the weight I gained and I immediately just lost it all I was like I'm done I'm done I was like over it so for the next six months, I kind of like backtracked and 
it was yeah not a good approach for me personally the whole no period now what maybe worked for some people did not work for me it was and I needed some more structure I think also was a big thing for me and I actually never even calculated how much I was eating I was never one to track macros or calories my thing was always just eating as little as possible so I didn't even know what I was eating and I remember go, joining some like Facebook um, period recovery group and being like I've been eating this much so much so so much and someone was like, you should probably just track how much you're actually eating if you don't actually know. And I did. And I was not eating anywhere near 2,500 calories. So ironic. Yeah, that I thought that I was. But I didn't. I wasn't. I was probably, this yeah. This is where, like, individual, individuality is so, so huge, right? Yeah. Because it's not just everyone's body is different, but everyone's perspective on a lot of food is different. Everyone's um, just, like, ability to guess how much food something is or everyone's ability to um you know eat more than others like it's so so varied that I can see how like there's no one approach that works yeah and my metabolism had been so crashed for so long I was gaining weight on like 1500 calories a day because I was like I had been eating you know so that or even like sometimes I was eating 2000 calories but um yeah I was my body my metabolism was really wrecked I think um, but yeah, so then in 2020, uh, COVID happened and COVID was, a, was kind of like, um, I guess, I don't, I don't know if it was a good thing for the whole process, but I definitely still wasn't a standstill. I was still really not sure where to go for help. And I can kind of jump forward to 2020, what, 2020, 2021, I think it was beginning, it was, uh, yeah, beginning of 2021. Um, I found the HA Society. It was because of Elise on Instagram had told me about it. I think I somehow found her profile. I forget how. Um, and I got your, it was uh, the period recovery like handbook or whatever. Mm, yeah, the, I was at your house the other day and you were like, I still have it on my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. You had printed and it. That, yeah. And so I had been like trying to implement my own kind of like my own, my, you know, doing my own small recovery things here and there, but I was constantly just backtracking. It was like one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back. Like I was very, very yo-yoing with it. And I was not, um, it was the, the weight gain for me was so triggering. And yeah, it sounds that, like along the way you weren't like developing skills. Yes, exactly. Forward. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely needed, I needed more guidance in that way. And I was really reluctant to continue tracking my macros or calories and stuff because that was triggering too. So it was like, you know, damned if I do, damned if I don't, if I don't track my food, I'm not eating enough. If, if I do, I'm purposely not eating enough because I'm scared to gain weight. So it's like this whole thing. So yeah, it wasn't really until 2021 when I found that, that book you, um, or the handbook you made and I started to see, okay, I need to be eating 700 calories per meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner. But for me, it was like, eat a huge breakfast, eat a huge lunch, maybe have a snack for dinner, maybe have a snack before bed. But like, I was not eating, I was not spacing my food out properly and I was still going like sometimes 14 hours, 15 hours overnight because I just, my appetite was never that great. I never got um, extreme hunger. I would maybe have it every now and then, but it would be like, I would have one extreme hunger day. And then the next day I'd be like, I'm over it, you know? So it was never consistent enough. But then when I started to be like, okay, I'm eating. And then also the protein thing for me was huge because I having been vegan for so many years. I stopped being vegan in 2017, but I still was bad at implementing 
having a normal rotation of animal protein in my diet. So that was actually a huge 2020 being home and cooking a lot more. You know, me and my husband got a half cow. We started to do a lot more home cooking. Like I started getting really into that. I started making sourdough bread. Things like that were really good for me to like actually start to become more um, just organized around how I'm what like having a plan for what we're going to eat in the next few weeks. Like having that plan was really helpful for me at the time. But um, so I throughout 2021, I did start to realize, okay, I'm still over exercising. I wasn't like doing anything as intense as I had been previously, but I was still walking way too much. I was still really like. 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon, 30 minutes at night, like an hour and a half of walking a day, which I thought was fine and normal because it was less than I had been, but obviously wasn't. Um, so that was like a huge, the 2021 was a huge time to like to slowly, slowly cut things back and add things in because your handbook was so, yeah, just motivating. Um, and then in 2021, in the summer, um, me and my husband went to Europe for three weeks and it was a huge healing experience for me because I had not been there in like seven years. My family lives there and um, having gone through these two years of HA recovery, really it was like made me realize going home or going back to Europe made me realize how, and everyone else was, always, was also commenting how great I looked, how my energy was so much better, how I'm like, and, this, and I was eating everything and I was, there's no fear behind it. And it was very like, I think I really settled into accepting my, my body at a larger size at that point. Cause I was still very much resistant to, you know, I was always like, okay, if I hit this BMI or this weight, I'll be, that'll be enough. And it was never enough. So I had to let go of like either weighing myself or being like, oh, cause you know, in the, whatever, no period now wet book, they say, oh, if you get to this BMI, you're likely to get your period back. And I was over that BMI at that point. And I was so frustrated, but, um, it wasn't really about the weight to me. I think it was the habits still. I wasn't actually being consistent with that enough still. So when I was in Europe for three weeks last summer, I completely let go. Like this weight that fell off of me and just like eating spontaneously, just like middle of the night, having a snack, like just not even thinking. I was not probably for those three weeks, I was not going more than like six hours without eating. Cause I, is this the way you eat in Europe? I mean, that's the way my family eats anyway, in the summertime, especially. So yeah, it was so healing. And I got back um, in September of last year. And two weeks later, I felt what I think was, I thought was ovulation pain. And I had tons of cervical mucus and I hadn't been having any of that really. And having a little bit of bouts of it, but not the whole buildup I had then. And then I had the forethought to start tracking my temperature at that time. And I noticed myself, my, 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 my self ovulate. And I was like, oh my God. And I wish looking back, I probably should have been more like we were trying to have we wanted i wanted to get pregnant and i think i want i wish i had even at least tried to have to have to get pregnant at that time but i wasn't even thinking about that honestly just surprising i was just like seeing what my, 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 my body was going to do and yeah i ovulated and i had a 14 day luteal phase and i was blown away and i had my period started and it was not like the most uh, like heavy period at all by any means it was literally like three days and pretty light but I was still really happy about that. Um, so yeah, I had one period. Then a month later, I developed appendicitis, <laughs> which was not something I had, like, you know, I not did not see that coming at all. Looking back, it was actually kind of a huge blessing because it forced me to rest a lot even more. And actually it forced me to realize, because I thought 
the thing about getting my period back in last year was that I was sure I don't need to gain any more weight. And this is actually Elise's story too, that like, okay, I have my period now. I don't need to gain any more weight, but like, you know, spoiler alert. Yeah, you do. I had to gain like another 15, 20 pounds to get pregnant. Um, maybe not 15. Yeah, probably about 15 pounds to still get pregnant. So that's like anyone out there who thinks, okay, if I get one period back, that's the end of the line. It's not, it's the beginning. Definitely the beginning. Um, yeah, like for, for everyone, there's a slightly different order of, I don't know, like events that happen, but for the most part, yeah, that first period is not the be all and end all, because even if you did get pregnant on your first period, well, you basically just start again, postpartum, right? It's still gonna be there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I was still not willing to admit to myself that I still had to actually eat more. I was like, well, I've got my period back. So I'm whatever I'm eating now is enough. So I didn't actually, and then I actually started to walk more again. It was so bad. I was looking back. I'm like, what was I thinking? But you know what I think process, a a part of what's going on here that I, I ponder this almost daily, right? This sort of belief we all have in our head that there's like a little there's like a vision in our head of of what is the healthy weight for us right I hear it a lot I just think like this is probably the healthy weight for me or like I, I just am definitely weight restored or like I you know yada yada and I think that a for a big pop part of the population it's um it's just this like disbelief that health it could possibly exist outside of the ideal you have in your head it's so hard to disconnect what you think health looks like versus what it might actually be and so it blows people's mind because they are actually saying in a way they're saying in their head you mean I have to be unhealthy to get my period and I think it's it, it just blows people's minds and it makes them unable to um, do that work as soon as they do. And and that is why it's important that through this process, we start coming to terms with the idea that health looks, health doesn't have a look health is, and, and bodies vary a lot more than the ideal that you've been presented in our culture. Yes. And it just sounds like a lot of what you went through, you know, in the early on of your story as well was somewhat linked to that right where you're just like this can't be it this can't be it I'm going to go back to my old ways I'm going to go back to my old ways you know because you're leaning on something like some kind of belief but also also just not having done it any other way and just hardwired habits but yeah they're hard to break for sure especially after 10 years mm-hmm. hey do you know what your blind spots are as in Do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora, cornucopia of things. But in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit 
or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today? So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful Thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery so to get the checklist all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you you can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. And yeah, and it's funny too, because I, when I had, I was not, I remember saying, someone saying that, oh, you'll get your period back when you are back to the weight you were before when you had your period last. And I was completely unwilling to admit that to myself. It took me so long. And I, I actually, I got to the weight I was when I lost, when I lost my period, or, you know, before I got my eating disorder. And so I got, that's when I got my, my first period back, but I still had to gain weight to keep, to keep getting it. So yeah. And I'll be, that's 10 years later too. So actually it's shocking. I didn't have to gain more thinking about how much, I mean, my body's older, I'm more developed, like I'm a woman, I'm not a child anymore, like I was when I lost my period, or maybe 21 is not really a child, but you know what I mean, <laughs> like bodies are supposed to change as you get older, it's just normal, it's a part, mm-hmm. it's, it should be the expected part of being a woman, and you know, that's like, it's, it's, it should be honored, I think that we really disrespect what the body needs, and I was definitely guilty of that. I love that, I love that. respect what the body needs, God, that's like so good, yeah, because that is not what we are doing. Like those of us who know what our body needs, but continue to overexercise, continue to restrict food, we're not respecting our own body. And this yeah. is why it's easy for you to look at another girl and say, yeah, you deserve to eat more, gain weight. Um, and, and it's okay for you. You, It's okay for you, but it's not okay for me because we respect other people significantly more than we respect ourselves and our own bodies. It's yeah, like it, it's upsetting, <laughs> and we just don't care as much about someone else's body as we do ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. like walking mm-hmm. around in our own body, and it, it, it. And I also think that it takes a lot of time to like to learn to accept your body at a larger size because, like, literally, you're learning like to remap this body. Like, I think it's so triggering in the beginning when you gain weight because you have to sit in the discomfort because you're not used to having breasts, for example, or having your thighs touch together, or things that are just like so triggering to you but now it's just normal it's my body now I accept it I don't have I don't feel triggered now when I feel my thighs touch each other but in the you know in the early days it feels so foreign you feel like I'm in this like alien body and I cannot stand it it's so triggering but the thing about that is that 
if you are not balancing your blood sugar throughout the day, those triggers can really throw you off. And I had to learn that the hard way. Like if you aren't even feeling uncomfortable and continuing to eat and not letting those little discomforts get to you and you're going to completely, cause like when you're, when you, you don't have to do, 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 do like, does that make sense? Like your blood sugar being off balance, the adrenaline and cortisol you're produced from that stress response of feeling uncomfortable is even more heightened when you're not eating. So I found actually that as long as I was just consistently eating my three meals a day, three snacks and being triggered all the time and still eating, I wasn't actually affected by it as much. Triggers were a lot less because I was like, okay, I'm not having this like adrenaline response every time I look in the mirror or touch myself, you know, I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling triggered, I probably go have a snack and I'll calm down and, I'm, and then I feel better. If I learned that earlier, I think it would have been a huge game. It would have changed my trajectory a lot, but I didn't learn that because I would yeah. always be triggered and skip a meal or go, go for a run or something like not what I should be doing at all. That this is a very important thing. And this is another reason why I love to tout individualization is because yes, everyone has different levels of anxiety and ability to tolerate stress and your recovery process will be so much better if you are putting in place things that allow you to handle situations that arise throughout the day. Like we're not setting ourselves up for success. This is why if you just get, if you just eat, a metric ton of processed food, you know, you're not putting your brain in a headspace yes. that it is like, you're, you're going to have anxiety mm-hmm. just the way it is. Like we know this about processed food. And so it is finding exactly like you're saying, when you start to balance your blood sugar, when you start to look at all of your meals and say, okay, am I eating enough in each meal? Am I being consistent? Am I persevering? Then you're doing it consistently. You're gaining that momentum as time goes, it gets easier. Yes. And kind of what you were saying earlier, you, know, you yes, you're, you're uncomfortable in the beginning because it's foreign, like anything in the world that you're new to. But a part of it is just, sitting in it and yeah. getting used to it and realizing how oh my gosh tangent but you have to sit in it for a while to allow yourselves to see the benefits yes. like I know you you didn't even mention this stuff but I know that a part of your story was an ultimatum from your partner yeah. and like you know not not living a life that's like fun and spontaneous because we're so controlled and by the rigidity of our food and eating routine but the longer you spend trying this doing this work you get more and more positive experiences that you then get to start connecting the dots hey that was pretty fun hey that was enjoyable hey interesting when I allow my thighs to touch, I might feel uncomfortable, but this body allows me to live this kind of life. And I think I like that. And so now I see the value that we were so afraid of. Does that make sense? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's really well said. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's a whole, it's a, it's, it's, it's like, it's so much more than just getting your period back. It is like, it's a life lesson. Yeah, I think it's like a for very very most people, this process isn't just like a little blip. It, it's going to fundamentally change how they approach their life, how they approach their relationships. Never again will anyone listening, um, you know, 
take for granted how freedom from their obsession you know allowed them to better appreciate a certain moment in life like something that comes to mind is probably like Christmas morning right like maybe having hot chocolate on Christmas morning and not going outside for a run um, on Christmas morning but actually changing the routine and spending time with your family and being fully present like that is a moment where no one listening will probably um, like you all notice and reflect on that and be like wow that was cool yeah and that actually is very pertinent to my story because that's you know, when I got pregnant was when over Christmas was last year. So yeah. It, um, yeah. So I actually got appendicitis in um, a month after I got, I got my wild. period back. And I'm not sure if those are related, honestly. I, what do you think about that? Do you think potentially like my period coming back, like re- did something like, you know, having, having so much more estrogen in my body or something could have like caused some inflammatory response that was like on the brink of because that's what appendicitis is. It's, it's, it's inflammation of your um, appendix, right? So maybe it was lingering there for years and it was underneath the, underneath the surface and my period, like, I don't know, caused my appendix to flare up, but maybe it was like all the, and I was thinking maybe it was all the food that I ate in Finland when I was on vacation. Yeah. I mean, uh, I have a, yeah. no idea. I mean, I know just as many men who have had appendicitis. So it's like, what's going right. on, but I don't think that anything in the body is happening in a vacuum, right? Just like we know that our period health, it's not about our period. It's about like having sufficient estrogen. And when you have sufficient estrogen, your cholesterol is in better check. Your ADH is in better check. Like we know that there's a domino effect of everything. So I think it's, you're never going to actually know like exactly what the first domino was, but it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't shock us, would it? To know that there's some like, every aspect of your life and your body is like a contributing to the eruption that is for you appendicitis. Yeah. And I actually thought my ovary was bursting when I first started getting the pain. Right. It was just like, area. I was like, forgotten what to do. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, it's like ticking time bomb. But I mean, my, my recovery was fine, but it still took me another two months to get my period again after that. Um, uh, in, a, in a resting enough, but I also didn't eat for like three or four days when I had my pedic taken out because I couldn't eat I, after the surgery. They didn't, they didn't let me have, I was like on a liquid diet or whatever. So probably wasn't good for my body either, but I had to continue throughout that three month period between my first period and getting pregnant to continue to gain weight. And I think my appendix bursting <laughs> kind of helped me and thank God it, it happened before I got pregnant because that would have been really bad. Um, but yeah, so after my appendix was taken out, two months later, we went to, our families live in the Northeast um, near Boston. So we were there for Christmas. I was there for like two or three weeks. And like you were saying before about like enjoying Christmas, waking up and having like the regular, you know, because I mean, I hadn't been home for Christmas for a few years, but definitely before then I was not eating any of the things my people were, I was being offered. You know, I had my I was maybe having like, you know, just eating, eating like the bare minimum and definitely not having anything processed, but being home for Christmas for the first time in years, me and my mom made like all our finished Christmas, um, like, uh, traditional treats and stuff. And I just enjoyed myself so much. And then, um, when I got home after that in January, I, I was still, I was still really, really adamant about 2022 is a year I'm getting pregnant. Like it was my hundred percent goal. So I was really, really buckled down to not be, I pretty much stopped exercising or walking or anything like that 
and um, started to eat really, really consistently, 700 calories at each meal, plus having snacks continuously. And like, it was kind of boring in a way because I was eating the same thing to make sure I was eating enough for those two weeks leading up to my ovulation that got, that got me pregnant. But I'm glad I had, I'm glad I did it because I was really just like, let go of the fact that, okay, I might still need to gain weight, but that's fine. I'm going to get pregnant. So I'm going to keep gaining weight anyway. So whatever, like this saw it as like, it's part of my pregnancy, even though I'm not pregnant yet. I kind of like saw myself like already pregnant and the gain weight I'm gaining is for that purpose. So whatever. <laughs> so for those two weeks after coming home for Christmas, I was really consistent, really, really like disciplined around um, nourishing myself properly and not, and not stressing myself out. And tracking my ovulation and tracking my, my tracking my temperatures and my cervical mucus and everything. And yeah, on January 12th, I had like the most amazing ovulation. Like it was like way better than it had been the last time. Like the the, the mucus I produced and everything. I was so proud of my body. And yeah, and then we, I got we, I got pregnant. And two weeks later, um, I had or actually ten days later, I would say I had what I thought was implantation cramping. And even before I took a pregnancy test, I was sure I was pregnant. And I was. Oh, why do I feel like you text me or something? I texted you around the time that um, I was ovulating. I think I did. I forget exactly when it was. It's but. like the best part of my entire life, I think, <laughs> is that I get to be for so many people, the friend that that like finds out before they're even pregnant right because they're always just like like we're texting about implantation you know what I mean? yeah exactly it was so exciting and I've never been so proud of myself in my like and and, and and Alex my husband like when he found out I was pregnant like the tears were streaming like his Aww. like because like you said before like I had he kind of had a moment of being like you know you need to be like, this is like you're being selfish you know by taking so much attention onto just what being thin like how lame (laughs) alex is like he tells it how it is huh so honest yeah (laughs) yeah painfully so but he's been like such a huge teacher for me and like he just never had any problems with food so watching me deal with this and struggle is just so he cannot understand it he's like and even now i'm nine you know nine months pregnant he's like you look amazing (laughs) he's like you're the most beautiful you've ever been like you need to gain like more weight like he just honestly there's like no limit to him because his love is just so and his acceptance of me is just like Mm. you know i i never had to worry about anything like that you know him being unaccepted because we we first met before i even developed my eating disorder like i've known him for 13 years and so he fell in love with me before I even lost the weight. So I don't know why I was obsessed with like, I was staying thin for nobody. Nobody was impressed. Nobody, no one cares. It's a total total mind mess. Before I go into like gushing and and congratulating you. And and by the way, yes, like you should be proud. And I felt the same way. I was like, look what I did. I followed the rules, um, like the rules of, of like charting your cycle and Uh I, timed this well and I did it and I had sex one time in the fertile window because if all is working it should work (laughs) bloody works you know you're just like hell yeah yeah right but what I really want listeners to take away here is like you know Anina knew her habits and her history and she knew she like had she had guidelines right she knew what she physically needed to do she's like I'm a I'm gonna eat consistently and I'm gonna wait right and she wasn't fully friggin you know mentally 
healed. It was still hard. And you were still afraid of, well, like, sure, let's just say it. There was still some fear of weight gain for you. Yeah. Because I heard you expressing it, you know, and you had to constantly, um, you know, revisit, like, the, the, have that mental dialogue. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm still gaining weight. Oh, but this is my goal. And it's going to be the most luxurious body for this baby to grow in. And it's going to be like, it's all worth it. And like, you just kept talking to yourself about it and counseling yourself through it because it's not, the goal for all of us is not to be completely mentally and emotionally healed from our body image issues. It's for us to learn to navigate them instead of them navigating us because they will always be there. But the more consistently you show up and act against the voice and the more that you practice that inner dialogue, the closer you do get to a pretty strong semblance of being very well um, you know, emotionally and mentally recovered. Yes. Yes. And so I am proud of you. I think that's really awesome. I just wanted to. Yeah. I definitely still have work to do. You know, like I, I was lucky. I got my period back. I got, I got pregnant on my second cycle. So that's like, I still am no longer, I'm not, I'm not I don't consider myself healed from HA, even though I am pregnant, <laughs> but, um, and, but I think that the work I've done in pregnancy has honestly been, um, that acceptance piece of my body because like obviously carrying a child you're not going to be restricting you're not going to be like you know it's been a very healing past year because I just none of my habits have stuck with me because being pregnant it's like it doesn't seem it's just it, it just seems silly at a certain point to, to even be caring about those things so um but yeah I mean I know it's still going to be a long he- a long road ahead of me which is kind of daunting in a way because I know I want to breastfeed and that means I could, you know, not have my period back for even a year. Um, and it's like, what does it actually mean to continue to work through recovery when you're, you know, in a place where you're, you know, have like um, lactation amenorrhea, but you know, going on. Oh my God, that, don't even sedot me on that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a mind trip, right? Like you've been experiencing that now for the past year. It's like, do I have HA or is this just normal? I have no clue. I know. I know. Um, but I think one of the great ways maybe to frame it is like that daunting. I have a long road ahead of me. Oh gosh. Like, eh, how about it's just, it's, it's a never ending road, right? Like you're always going to be on, it's a little bit of a hamster wheel. Uh You're always going to have to pay taxes. You're always going to have to brush your teeth every day. Like there's a ton of stuff you're always going to have to do. And being accepting of your body and loving yourself is one of those things. So everyone better just buckle up <laughs> and, and do it. Right. Cause I totally feel overwhelmed sometimes about like all the things that are just, I have to do forever until I die. Right. Yeah. What? There's so many things like that. Um, and sometimes it's really overwhelming. Like you're overwhelmed by like all that life involves. And this is one of those things that at least for me is on that list of like, I'm probably always going to be dealing with this, but you know, just like doing the dishes and brushing my teeth. I'm just like, okay, sure. (laughs) You know, like let's do it. 
It's yeah. It's part of being a human. Yeah. It's just part of being a human in this world. Right. Cause and it's I, not going away from our culture anytime soon. So definitely not. Yeah. And I did voices fear to my mother because she has four kids and she also dealt with HA not knowing with HA when she was younger. And, um, she said, I had never heard this until I got pregnant. She told me this, that with all of her, all four of us, my siblings, she never got her period back between them. She was like, I just got pregnant. <laughs> like, so, so crazy. Watch, like, watch, she, she was like, I think you're more likely to just like have to watch out for getting pregnant too soon because my, you know, my, my two brothers are Irish twins. Like she got pregnant, like really quickly between them. So like, that's interesting to think, okay, maybe I have to not worry about that. Maybe it's the opposite. Like actually you could get pregnant at any moment. Um, but you know, they said that with it, when I had HA too, whenever I would go to, I'm sure you, you got this too. Like you go to the doctor and they're like, what are you using for birth control? And I'm like, I don't have a period. And they're like, well, you could get pregnant. And I was like, I don't think so. Uh, probably then, yeah. not. <laughs> ah, like, That'd know. be great. That would be great. But no. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, statistically now, um, there's less, there's just less occurrences of men just brushing past their partners and then them getting pregnant. Yeah. Um, but right. certainly I feel like many of us had that story where like my mom got pregnant easily every single time she tried and she has n- no, she has no understanding of what all of us are going we'll go through. Yeah. Isn't um, that wild? Yeah. Super strange. And there used to be a ton of research and funds in general put towards crap like helping you to determine like timing intercourse to determine what gender your baby will be things like that right you know like fake science but at one point we invested time and money into it because that's what you got to do but now there would be absolutely no space for something like that because we're just trying to get people pregnant in general right alone trying to determine what gender the baby will be um, yeah. the, the sheer amount of women getting treatments that honestly just have HA or similar. Right. Astounding. Yeah. Um, and that's for some reason, it's different to what women um, used to go through, like, like your mom and, and my mom. And so I, it's very, I'm very curious what the difference is. Um, partially wonder, is it like exposure to stuff? I think it's a huge plethora the cornucopia of problems that we have now that are different. Yeah. As an acupuncturist, I see a lot of clients for fertility and I've only had a handful where I thought that it was related to undereating. A lot of times I think it's due to stress. Um, mm-hmm. and endometriosis is quite common too. Um, it, it definitely can, you know, cause like scar tissue uh, to build up in between there, but but yeah, yeah, I think luteal phase issues on a per, my opinion is delayed ovulations and luteal phase issues in the greater population seem to yeah. be the thing. And they're like, you know, I have a friend who was anovulatory and she got um, treatments. She was like, did you know you can have a period and not ovulate? <laughs> um, and so that, that's why she got treatments. But it's like, I wonder if, you know, knowing her press, like, I wonder if she had made fundamental lifestyle changes with the help of like a holistic practitioner before she went that route, would we have seen a difference? And I absolutely know that there are people who need treatment, but gosh, it can't be all of them. Come on. No. And there's a lot of things you can do in a lifestyle wise, you know, like I had a client who we just changed like her, her, the time she spent outside 
and like mm. a few things in her diet and twinge like a tweak a few stopped drinking alcohol was a big thing started going outside for morning and evening like watching the sunrise just like going for a walk in the morning and evening which for me would have been the opposite of what I needed but in her situation I was like you're sitting inside staring at a screen all day get outside move a little more uh mm. stop drinking so much alcohol and she got pregnant so it's like everyone's so individual and I think a lot of it is this connection to something larger than just our our like our day-to-day like very toxic habits yeah yeah so true so that's we've left people with a lot to kind of consider (laughs) many many people are going to resonate with parts of your story and it is you know you are awesome and you did crush it and (laughs) and it wasn't you know I think people get frustrated too because they're like I feel like I listen to these stories where people were like I lost weight but then I just read this book and then I gained weight and then it was easy and it's like no that's actually very few people's reality yeah and those stories are so triggering oh my god like oh it's you know yeah. I ate a little more for three weeks and hey I'm pregnant or whatever you're like okay two years of this two years and yeah, yeah so exactly exactly but here you are here right? I am so you're gonna have a little baby real soon yes any wow. any yeah definitely October it's gonna it's gonna be an <laughs> October baby but <laughs> yay well, we appreciate it. Um, and thank thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're for welcome. Your- Thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel like <sighs> my story is important for some people to hear because I always felt really motivated by stories like mine. People are going through experiences like mine. It's not as common of a story like you said. So hopefully people can glean some with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. Everyone have a great day and we will see you next week. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So Temp Drop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So temp drops accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs. And then it also gives you sleep insights too. 
So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHASociety. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHASociety at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural this is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. 
Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.